My name's Kendra Houseman from Out of the Shadows, and you're about to listen to a series of interviews that took place over nine months. I want to know what life would be like for a child that had been through domestic abuse, parental mental health, poverty, and exploitation, to name a few. What would happen if we created a team, an army almost, to support that child? 28 people were interviewed, all with the same question in mind. What could have been different for child B? You're about to listen to Blondie's People. So follow us on our journey where I will speak to everyone from George the Poet to some of my good friends as we discover what it takes to become one of Blondie's people. Within these episodes, you will find answers, you will find guidance, and most of all, you will find an insight to a world that many do not know. There's a trigger warning for some of these episodes, and some of them are not child-friendly. We're going to talk about things that are very, very raw and real. So kick back and get ready for a journey, a journey you will not forget. Welcome to Blondie's People. Welcome to episode 27 of Blondie's People. And if you've listened from episode one, what a journey we've been on. This episode is going to look at social change and education and what actually is needed, is needed to make that that last little change to help our young people get through the things that they are. If George the Poet had been around when Blondie was a child and she'd been able to listen to somebody talking on not just a deep level, but on her level, there's a good chance that that she would have had food for thought instead of just living the day to day grind. And I hope that's what other young people will get from listening to George the Poet. And I know that the young people that I work with have. So kick back and take it in because the journey is nearly done. I'm going to record this from the start because I don't think George will turn up himself personally. Let's see what happens. No way, you're just there. Yes, Kendra. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I was getting a bit worried. I was thinking, is he going to come or what? No, sorry. A couple of technical difficulties there, man. Sorry for the wait. I've had it all, all, all week. He's been technical difficulties. Um, Zoom hates me, apparently. <laughs> we all had to adapt. Most of us weren't even have never used Zoom before lockdown, innit? I was not ready. Yeah, here we are. How are you? I'm good. I'm going to explain to you um, why I've asked you to be part of this project, and then I'm going to ask you some right. questions. Does that sound alright? That's cool. Do you have a preference about how I orientate orient my um, camera, like portrait or landscape? I don't know. Change it. Let me see. Yeah, that looks better. Is that right for you? Yeah, that's cool. So then what I do is um, I'll record it. I'll pull it out with a blog that I'll write. And it'll just be our, our interview. There's loads of them out there already. How do you feel mm. about that, all right? Yeah, that's cool. Okay, I'll explain to you what Blondie's people is. That's what I've invited you to. So when I was younger, my nickname was Blondie. And Blondie was failed by many, many people um, all the way through her childhood. And as I've got older, mm. yeah, yeah, as I've got older, I was very angry about it for a long time. But then I thought, no, let me see what I can do. So what I've done is I've chosen certain people to be part of something called Blondie's People. And these are people that if they were around Blondie as a child, they may have been able to help her. But also, as an adult now, they're people that I'd like to work with. Does that kind of make sense? Of course, yeah. I'm making a super team so that children that are exploited involved in gangs, if they had this super team around them, life would be different. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a great concept. So the reason I've chosen you is for two reasons. So here this year. Um, so when we uh, sort of met, and then you included me in your podcast on episode eleven. Um, for writer's block and I told you about a young person that I worked with I'd shown you them your podcast and your words had taught them out of getting into a knife fight that's exactly how it went down I've been using your words for a long time I probably owe you royalties if I'm really honest so <laughs> so your uh, state of mind I use at the start of most of my presentations because I think it's a true uh, representation of, of how we think people on the street how we think okay so that's why I use your professional your words change you, you you're educated and you're from the streets it's a mental concept and that's why I use you but as a child if Blondie had heard you as a child George life would have been different because somebody would have been able to see inside of what was going inside her head does that kind of make sense yeah 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 and that's yeah. why you're here. So you're one of Blondie's people because you make change with your words. How I'm honoured. Yeah, yeah, do you like? Honoured. I'm honoured, but yeah, I'm glad you're honoured because your, your words are powerful enough to, to save lives. I've said that to you before, innit? Mm, you have, you have. Okay, so I'm going to ask you some questions so people can get an insight into, into Blondie's people, yeah? Is that cool? Sorry, yeah, it froze there. Come again? Is it freezing? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna ask you questions about about your background a little bit, so people can get a concept of who you are. And I hope that people that listen to this will realise how much they should listen to you. Yeah, you called that. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. So, what first inspired you to start writing about the things that you were hearing and seeing? That what first made you want to do that? Um, a lot of my friends started rapping because mm -hmm. grime started to get big and I wanted to rap but I wanted to be honest and for most of us young MCs we mainly wrote about us either our skills or a lot of my friends started writing about violence yeah and I thought that wasn't real because none of us wanted violence okay and none of us were really ready for violence so just to really stick to my guns, I thought, and I'm going to write about what's going on because that's true and it's real. When you started writing about that kind of stuff, could you, did people like what you was writing? Yeah, people liked what I was writing because um, I was also working very hard at being a skilled MC. Yeah. So I, I was very creative in the way I put my, my ideas across. I used words that most people don't use. I, I was a serious student as well. I always took English English very seriously. So I had a lot of big words and guys used to like that. Guys used to find <laughs> it funny. Yeah. What's changed in your style of writing? I think it's important to, to people to uh, see progression. So how much has your style of writing changed from then to now? What's the biggest change? Do you just know bigger words? Is that all it is? Um, the change is a very important question because the main thing that I realised when I went to university was that I'm no longer just speaking to my friends. I started putting my poems on YouTube and the reaction that I was getting, sometimes I didn't understand it, but it's because the people that were now listening to me didn't necessarily understand where I was from. Yeah. So that made me feel like I have more of a responsibility to explain, otherwise they're going to get it twisted. 
and, and it's, I like the way you say that it changed when you went to university and maybe people didn't understand because it brings me kind of to my next question, all right? So you grew up in an inner city estate. I grew up in an inner city estate. Right now we're having a conversation, but trust, our lives went in two different paths. I think education's got a lot to do with that. You went on to have an outstanding education and I was put into a prove. I was discarded. How important do you think it is for education to get to get kids off street? How important is education? Well, when you're a grown-up, you're expected to go to work. Yeah. And when you're not a grown-up yet, you're expected to be in school. Yeah. So if school doesn't have space for you, what are you supposed to be doing with yourself? You understand? So I think it's very important that the, the, the places where our education is supposed to happen, these places also understand what we're going through outside of the classroom. Very important. Do you think that's happening in a lot of schools in the UK? I can say my school that I work for, that does happen. But do you think there is an understanding from education, even higher up, that what our kids are going through on the street? So because I'm not in school and because I haven't really studied it recently, yeah. I don't want to talk about what's going on in most schools. But what I can talk about is the reaction that I get from teachers across the country. Okay. Everyone cares. They do. People want to do a better job. People want to be able to change their school or the system that they work within to be able to serve their young people better. And that I can work with. I can work with people who care. A lot of young people that, um, that I know and that I work with, they think that university is not accessible for them. And as a young person, I totally believe that because it was never spoken to. Nobody ever chatted to university about me. It was just about keeping me out of prison more than anything else. Mm. How accessible do you think it is? Like, them kids out here that are listening to this, they're clever, they're capable of university. How mm. can they go about the transition from university, from the street, sorry, to university? How does that look? Great question. Do you know what it is, Kendra? I think it's, it all comes down to language on some level. Okay. If you, if you feel like the language that you use in your mind to explain the world to you can be used, to get a university degree, then you're gonna be more positive about going into that space. But if nothing around you indicates that that's possible, then you're gonna think that your language is of no value in their space, or yeah, yeah. that the language they use is of no value to you. So it's all about figuring out how you can make the, the, the way you see the world, how you can make that relevant, or how you can make that align with your um with whatever you want to study okay i think it's important i don't know about you but your parents as well encouraging you i think that parents need more education around university because people don't realize that it is there for them it just seems to be um that it's more accessible now but for a long time university was only for a certain kind of person it felt like didn't it yeah yeah that's true and i'm fortunate that my parents always spoke to me about university I watched my parents go to uni when they came to this country um, and it was part of my expectations that I would go. But at the same time, I was also clear that if, if uni wasn't for me, I wasn't just going to go for no reason. Yeah. And that's another thing that I think is important to yeah. uh, reassure people. It's not, it's not, it is not the be all and end all. It's an option. It's an option. Yeah, my own son's university was never presented to them, but I made it be an option and they both went. But it's only because it was an option. 
I think that by telling young people about it, it gives them the choice. They get a choice about whether they want to access that or not. 100%. Um, with your writing and the stuff that you write about, how much do you think being able to write about what you saw and what you felt impacted on making your mental health better? Do you see what mm. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mental health to me is massive and, and your words help with other people's mental health, but do they help with yours? My words do help with my mental health, Kendra. I always yeah. explain it's, it's therapy to me on two levels. So first of all, getting things off my chest and just being like, you know, at one time this mad situation happened and this is how I felt. That is, 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 is partly therapy. But then also, I went to university to study sociology okay. and that helped me understand my environment more. And the more I understood, the more I was able to put that into my poetry. And that also helped because there, I had a lot of questions that weren't answered. Why is it like this? Why do people live like this? Why does no one know? Why does no one seem to care? And the more I was able to explain these things to myself, this is what, going back to what I was saying about the language, yeah, yeah. the more I was able to explain it to myself and then explain it to my audience, the more I could heal. Do you get a lot of feedback from people telling you that you impact in a positive way on their mental health? Do you get that kind of feedback? Yeah, yeah. A lot of people tell me that um, something that I said maybe years ago, you know, like you mentioned a state of mind. I think I wrote that coming up to 10 years ago now yeah yeah so it's funny it's funny I mean, how from day one bruv i hear you i believe you yeah that's 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 deep in the archives but it's um it's funny how something that you say so long ago could have gotten someone through a dark time when you didn't even know that that person yeah. even existed right even needed so, that help yeah 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 that's that's beautiful well is that the kind of concept that was behind your podcasts was it the fact that you just wanted to penetrate people's minds in that kind of way? Because some of them are just mental. I love them all. But some of them take you on a roller coaster of emotion. Like, you don't know what's going on. And was that your plan? Yeah, yeah. The plan was, I had a couple of things that I knew that I needed to add to my career. Okay. So I needed to be more personal. A lot of my poetry was about um, things that were happening in the world. Not, not in my life. Yeah. Okay. And I yeah. thought... Yeah, I thought it would be better to, like, I wanted my audience to, I wanted to establish an, a new level of connection, of trust with my audience. So I wanted to make it more personal. But at the same time, I wanted to be able to give people more detail than I could in like five minutes. So with the podcast, I was like, okay, I'm going to be personal and I'm going to be detailed. And with that, I decided to um, try and, like you said, penetrate people's consciousness and, yeah. and be like, yo, you see what I'm going through? I know you, I know you understand. Yeah. And I know you need the same answers that I need. So let's try and figure it out together. I, I read loads of um, articles about, not just your work, about spoken word. And you said, 2016, spoken word was for you to make um, social change, to see um, social progress, right? That's why you sort of wanted to get out there. What, where are you at? How's it going? Like, do you see that? Do you see that social progress? It's a deep one, sorry, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it is a deep one. You know what I mean? Like, social progress, how? That's the first question I ask it's myself. How? What, what, how, what does it look like? Um, and that's a big question. So, Did I'm on that journey that, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying, is it, is it just a journey? It's not that you're going there. Did you know what you wanted to change, George? Did you have a mindset of what needed to change? 
to be honest with you, Kendra, what I thought needed to change was 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 the whole way of life of my community. Everything. Like I didn't I I didn't even know where to start. I was like, our employment situation doesn't usually work for us because a lot of us stay in poverty or spend long periods of time unemployed. Our education system isn't getting the most out of our young people or our young people are not getting the most out of our system. Um, our relationship with the police, our relationship with the council, um, with social services, the expectations of looked after children or kids on free school meals. All of these are too, like, I just, there's too dead. I, I, like, I, all of it was unacceptable to me. All of it. So when I, when I looked at it, I was like, um, I'm going to have to figure out how to, how to create targets in each of these areas. Okay. And then I'm going to have to figure out how to get my audience to help me work towards these targets. And I've learned a lot on that journey, but it's, it is definitely, I feel like I'm at the foot of the mountain. Yeah. Uh, the social progress I've seen is that you've been able to get on the platform and talk about stuff that we, from the ends, want to talk about, but nobody wants to listen yeah. it's in the grime track. And for me, that's why I can sit and watch you. You're talking, you're saying the same things, but you're just saying it in a way that people want to listen to it. If that makes sense. Mm. Mm. You're yeah, that's what I. Acceptable. Yeah. That was the first step that I felt like can happen. If people that would listen to music and, and wouldn't listen to the news, if they can look at me and I can be in both music and the news, then now that they they can have a connection to conversations that they didn't feel like they belonged in. Yeah, I feel that. Has um, the lockdown changed your progress? Has the lockdown changed how you're going to do things? I mean, it has in the instant, but long term, has it changed your goals? Mm, there are things that happened alongside the lockdown or during the lockdown that have influenced my direction. Okay. And I'm going to explain more about them in the coming months. But I, personally, I, I guess the lockdown also um, gave me a bit more focus and just allowed me to slow down sometimes I don't slow down yeah, and it just helped me see where I am in my um journey and what what I can change to get what I want out of myself yeah I think a lot of people have had to do a lot of uh, self-reflection haven't they it's been painful yeah. but you've had to do it mm -hmm. that's right that's right um, something you said, I've had to write it down so I don't get it wrong, but this is what you said. Uh, the la I sort of thought, right, let me find something that I like that he says a lot. He says, your things alone are valid enough for you to act as you see fit, right? Sorry, say that again, it cracked up. Sorry, your feelings alone, I'm going to say it off here, your feelings alone are valid enough for you to act as you see fit, okay? Uh, you said it in an interview for the Movos, and I've, I heard it and I was like, boom, like, that is very powerful. But can you can you emphasize on that? Because people, young people, going through everything they're going through right now, they're feeling them words. My feelings are no enough to validate what I'm feeling. So, what's your sort of thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, that was a lesson that it took me a long time to to learn. So, what it means is that if you feel something, you don't really need permission from other people. You don't need people to agree. You don't need people to be able to explain it. You don't need a book to recognize what you're going through. There are parts of your life that no one will have ever written about because you are the only you. There are things about you that maybe no one else can relate to. But the fact that you feel it, the fact that these um, experiences are going on inside of you, that is enough for you to do what you think needs to be done. That's how my career has been designed.
I love it. Honestly, like when you say when you say it, as a young person hearing that, you're validating their feelings. And I know you just said it in the interview, but it's something I'm going to use with my young people because if you're feeling it, then that's okay. You you allow to feel them feelings, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah, that's how I feel. How would you for young people like Blondie, but there's lots of young people out there that feel that I felt very trapped growing up I couldn't see a way out of poverty I most definitely couldn't see a way out the ends it was just not a way out I just had to keep going through the that kind of feeling over and over again can you offer that kind of um what you you do it very well what would you say to young people that are really struggling right now and think that there's no way out for them I would say that you today are different from you yesterday, different from you 10 years ago. And the you of tomorrow is gonna to be different from you of today, etc. So if you know that change has happened to you and that change is coming, it helps to really accept change and accept that you can control the change. You can decide what changes you want your, your situation right now is not permanent. It will pass. You're going to go to sleep and you're going to wake up and it's going to be a new day with new opportunities. Now it is up to you to see those opportunities. You want to give yourself every chance to see those opportunities. That might mean switching up your circle. Yeah. You know what I mean? It might mean that the people that you spend your days around more time are not able to show you anything new. And you might have love for them, they might be good to you, but you need, it's your responsibility to go and find something new. You can find it on YouTube, you can just change what you look for. You can, you can just try some new music, you could try a book, you could try a documentary, a film, speak to someone in your life about something that you've never spoken about before. It could just be like asking your mom like what her <laughs> first date was like, you know what I mean? <laughs> different just try something different otherwise the world is not going to show you or the opportunities that are in front of you are not going to be clear i love it because i think by exploring and outside there's something outside the ends is what people need to realize isn't it yeah yeah there's more right last question george it's a big question but you can answer it quite briefly okay because I, this is what um, blondie's people is about you've spoken to the young people what do professionals and people like us, what do we need to do to make a change? To make a change for the young people that are out there who feel like they're not getting helped, that social services can't support them, that they can't tell people what's going on. Us as professionals, as adults, what do you think we need to do? The list is long in it. You're like, tch, 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 your brain's gone mental. You're like, what? <laughs> yeah, man. Well. Yeah. Um, what would you like to see? What would you like to see change? I think it comes back to the spaces again. Like where are the spaces that we expect change to happen? And why does change maybe not happen in the way that we want? Yeah. So if you take a lot of people, for example, might be working in the social services and might be frustrated about what they can and can't do or cuts to the budgets and yeah, yeah. all of these kind of changes that they can't control. Um, I want you to really look at your environment, your, your professional environment, and ask yourself, what is the root 
of your issue here? Is it that um, staff feedback is not valued in the way that it should be? Is it that there needs to be new people from different, with a different perspective in the profession? And really think, all right, long term, what using the resources that I have, what can I do to start working on that one problem? Everyone can do that. Everyone can do that. I love that. And I think it's important that people hear that. Okay, we're going to end with a really serious question. This is my serious face. I'm studying a master's. I've done my degree. I'm studying a master's. I've said I'm never studying again, right? Mm -hmm. but I'm a Harry Potter fan. Are you telling me that Cambridge is like Hogwarts? Because if it is, fam, I'm going. Now tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yo, Cambridge is a lot like Hogwarts, man. For real? It's, it's, it's the robes, all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll have fun there. I'm going to go do a PhD just so I can go to Hogwarts, fam. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'd love to see you all dressed up. Oh, God, can you imagine it? When I get my master's, I'll send you a picture because nobody even thought I could get anything. So, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm excited to hear that. Thank you. Congratulations. For thank you. And thank you for your time because I know that you're very busy. And I think that your words yeah. are going to have a massive impact. Can you say goodbye to everyone who's watching Blondie's People? Because you'll be my last one. Ah, oh, well, to all of our audience, I want to say enough love. Stay strong and stay focused. All of Blondie's people, I'm glad to be among you. Big up Kendra. Yeah, man. All the, all the love in the world. Thank Bless. you so much.